Welcome to Books and Bisexuals. I'm Brianna. And I'm Nikki. And this is a podcast where we talk about books that we've read or that we like and wherever our neurodivergent brains take us. Which, if you've listened to any previous episodes, because this is now number three. Three! <laughs> I know. Um, it goes in such weird directions. Not weird, but um, varying. Varying. And like directions that maybe we weren't thinking of mm. when we started recording. Yeah, or like expecting. Like it's just things yeah. just, yeah, very much catch us off guard. Yeah. Yeah. Before we really get into it, I want to say I've been transcribing mm. um, our episodes and man, do I now have a completely different idea of like how hard it is to transcribe things. Mm. So I was looking it up and professional transcribers, it takes um, four hours for every hour of recording. What? Yeah, right? That's it's so wild to me. So it takes you like these are people that get paid right. to transcribe. They it takes them in general on average 4 hours to transcribe 1 hour of a recording of an audio recording. Oh my god. And so of course, I've only transcribed like 40 minutes of our first episode, which is only about an hour long, and it has taken me 6 hours to do this. Oh my god. And so um I'm going to find a service is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so much respect for yeah. people who do this for a living wow. um, because it is much harder than I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. Like part of the reason that I was like, oh, I'll just do it myself is because I really thought like this is going to be easy. It's going to be quick. Right. And um, much harder than I thought. Well, so, interesting. Mad respect. Yeah. Right. Interesting on that that same train mm -hmm. um when the pandemic just started and I had come home and everything and I was like I need to make money like yeah you know I'm in school and Andrew's not working and like we need money and I remember coming across um this online transcription service called Rev mm -hmm. and I was like oh this is great and the way that it like I mean, I didn't stick with it very long, to be completely honest, um, because the way that it worked at the beginning is that they give you some practice ones that they'll pay you for. Um, and then there's some easier jobs where it's literally just like a, a back and forth conversation. It's very clear who is speaking. Right. And that sort of thing. But then people all over the world can just upload these audio files that they want someone to transcribe. But most of the time, the audio is unclear. It's muffled. Yeah. It's conversations just talking over each other. And you're trying to discern what people are saying. You have to listen to something like over and over and over. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. Like even I remember doing um, French transcriptions at university mm -hmm. as part of my class to work on like listening and understanding what you're hearing. And like putting that on the paper, right. which is very important when you're learning, when you're learning a, a language. language. Right. Yeah. Um, and I remember that these, these little like radio spots were like a minute and a half to two minutes. And it took me an hour yes. at least yeah. to do. And I still didn't get them a hundred percent completed. Know. Like, so, you know, I see, like, I come across stenographers on TikTok and I'm like, okay, so obviously we, we need to learn how to use a stenography obviously. typewriter. Yes. Cause like 296 words a minute. Typing? I know. Like, okay, sure. Um, I wish. I, I do not type that quickly. Oh, my God. I'm I like get a, like 90. Oh, no. I'm like a, um, like, 
like a four to five finger person. Oh. Like I don't use, you know how like in school they teach you how to type yeah. with all your fingers yeah. without looking. Yeah. I'm more of like, um, I use maybe my like pointer and middle fingers to like type and maybe like my thumbs. So like, like on the space bar. Yeah. Like maybe six fingers. I used to type, not all 10. Oh my gosh. I, I use all of them. Yeah. Weird. I know. Tristan makes fun of me a lot for of course, it when does. I'm typing. Yeah. Um, He's like, are you 80? Do you know how to use a keyboard? And I'm like, no. My, my, my dad literally typed with one finger. Yeah, my mom too. Yeah. My, like my mom went to secretary school mm-hmm. when she was in high school, um, like night school. And so she types with all her fingers, but even still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so also I just want to say, I, I asked Nikki right before we started recording mm. whether we, whether she had listened to our podcast. Oh yes, right. <laughs> because of course I'm transcribing it. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, what did you ask me? Yeah. So I'm transcribing it. So I listened to it and I like unironically just sat and listened to our first two episodes because I didn't realize, um, like how much this was going to be a really confidence boosting thing for me. Mm. And I'm so excited that it was uh, because I was very afraid that I would listen and just like start picking apart like um, Like the way you talk, the way I talk, the fact that I use filler words like like and um and Mm -hmm. all of those things. And what I found was that actually it made me so much happier about like what we're doing and it really boosted my mood so i'm oh. so excited i'm so excited that we started this yeah. and i hope that people enjoy it as much as i do right because i enjoy it a lot yeah <laughs> so. well and i think part of the reason i wanted to start it was because like we talk about so many different things yeah. and like it it's always it's always different but it always like includes personal life stuff or like Mm -hmm. societal things or things that we're reading or, you know, anything like that. And I just feel like so many people may think that conversations that they're having are silly or yeah stuff like that. And it's like, or like not worth having. And it's like, oh man, the amount of things that we talk about that I'm sure other people would say, oh, that's so trivial. But But also the way that we um, go from something that might seem really like shallow or trivial mm-hmm. to something that is like our deepest selves, right. like something that we either haven't told anyone mm-hmm. before or like, and the way that those conversations flow, mm-hmm. it's been, it was so interesting to like <laughs> listen to that, That's you know, really cool. yeah. especially because I have admittedly terrible memory. I have um, short-term memory problems. I have trouble making them into long-term memory. So I often don't actually remember our conversations to a certain extent. Mm. Like I do remember a lot of the things we talk about, but not like word for word. So it was like listening to a fully new conversation when I listened. That's really cool. Yeah. So so, yeah. And then this is number three. This so is number three. Hopefully if you've made it this far and or if this is your first listen to um, us. Hello. Hi. Thank uh, you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And um, if you want to, we would love if you would leave some reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, if- we're not 100% sure where you're going to be able to find this podcast yet? <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, it's definitely going on Spotify. Yes. Um, I believe it also uploads to Apple. 
And um, Apple, Apple Apple accepts reviews. Yeah. And that would be the perfect place because yes. that puts us on podcasting charts mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. So if you are feeling like you like us and you want to give us a little shout out, we mm-hmm. would love a review. Yeah. Um, even if you hate us, I guess. <laughs> I mean. Hopefully you don't hopefully. because we are um, people pleasers. And <laughs> Re- recovering. <laughs> recovering people pleasers. Mm-hmm. And so we really like to be liked. But um, we understand we are not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, so. This is almost a little bit of a niche podcast in that yeah. in that you need to like just conversationally based podcasts. Yeah. Well, so. it's, it's funny because I was even like I was like uploading our stuff and yeah. it asked for like the genre or the theme of our podcast. And it goes through like all of these like books and entertainment and science and religion and all this other stuff I'm like oh my god so I settled on personal journals sure because I was like I don't know uh, oh I don't because it was like under like life personal journals and I'm like well it's kind kind of of. like an audio journal like a stream of consciousness kind of duo journal I don't know I was going to ask you about it, and then I totally forgot. God, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we would classify this as. So uh, it's not just books. A journal. Not, like... That makes sense. Yeah. We that's... talk about a lot of stuff, so a journal makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Personal journals is where we're listed. So, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Um. So, you tell you t- you told me. Oh, my God. You <laughs> told me. Um, that you just finished Crescent City too. Yes, I did. Mm. So House House of Sky and Breath. Sky and Breath. Yeah. Um, Tell me about it. I mean, without spoilers. Okay, so this is a monster of a book. It is 800 plus pages. Um, honestly loved it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is a monster of a title. Like, um, I... I mean, we've mentioned this many times. I am a speed reader. So I did read it in technically three settings because I read about 100 pages, put it down, and then picked it up like two weeks later. Right. Um, And then I read for probably like three or four hours one day and three or four hours the next. <laughs> I know. I For reference, I have read this book now for, I think, two hours, and I'm about 80 pages in. Yeah. Like, just for reference, Brianna read an 800-page novel in approximately nine hours? I was going to say, like, six or seven. I don't know how long your first session was. Probably, like, an hour. Yeah. I think it was about, like, nine hours total. Yeah. And I'm already two hours in and not even 100 pages. So, hmm. But, anyway, yeah. Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, like, trying not to... Because so much happens, obviously. It's right. it's an 800-page yeah. book. So, so many things happen in it. And um, it's just, it's so wonderful. But it also only takes place, honestly, over, like, maybe a few weeks of their real, like, their time. So, the yeah. characters in real lifetime. Right. It, the book covers a few weeks, maybe. Um, I want to see, like, a couple of months, maybe three months. Whereas, like, her other book, like, so Sarah J. Moss's other books yeah. all often cover Years? longer spans. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, you know, winter solstice and, and like, all that sort of like stuff. Like, they happen, good. like, a, a couple of different solstices will happen throughout the books or but whatever. We, do we get to winter solstice in this one? No. Oh, okay. 
And the reason that Nikki is asking this is because they, uh, the two main characters, Bryce and Hunt, have made a deal yeah. that they won't have sex until the winter solstice. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I think is like, I think they said it was three months and four days. Yes, from, at the beginning of yeah, the, or and, like the end of the last book or beginning of this one. Yeah. Um, it was about three months away. The only reason I say three months and four days is because Bryce is literally like counting down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Which I mean, so then that tells us that this book takes place in less than three months. Yeah, fewer than three months. Yeah, because I months. yeah, um, I don't think they get there. No, mm-hmm. not to my knowledge. Um, again, I read so quickly that sometimes I miss a, like little bits here and there, right. but, uh, which there's, is, which is fine. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It'll be a few weeks before. I know. What? Oh my God. What? And so, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited for you to finish the book and I know it's going to take you a few weeks. Take yeah. the time that you need to read it because it is really a beautiful story mm-hmm. and like so much happens in this, like right. just okay. so much happens in this title. Okay. But so one of the things is that the very last line of the book before the epilogue is this huge reveal, this huge thing. Um, No spoilers. Zero spoilers. I'm not going to spoil it because I'm really not going to spoil it for Nikki. (laughs) But when I tell you that you, Nikki, are going to be like exceedingly excited for the next books. Okay. I can't. I am so pumped for you to get to the end of this book and like literally text me whenever you reach it because I cannot wait for you to be like, holy fuck. So, so, so now, but like, my problem is like when I'm reading a book and I'm getting to the. Hi, that is my dog Ninja who has recognized that there is a stranger in his house. Um, yeah. So when I. When I am nearing the end of a chapter and I'm on like the last page of the chapter where it's not even a full page of text and stuff is getting very tense and very mm-hmm. hectic and everything. You'll skip I down. start reading faster and then sometimes I skip down yeah. to the point that I have to physically cover it yeah. with my hand. So, I mean, I guess I won't do it with this book because like it's not visible. Like I'm not the kind of person no. to just flip to the last page. And I know that you have the Indigo exclusive edition, right? I do. So it comes with a little bit of an excerpt. At it the does. End. I saw yeah. that. Uh, which is uh, kind of like a behind the scenes. Right. A little bit. And so if you flip to the very last page, it's not going to spoil anything. Like the actual physical last yeah, page. Yeah, yeah, um, But... But, but like yeah. I still, I will not flip to the end of the story. But okay. Yeah. Oh, I, think I can't I'm staying wait. up overnight tonight then. I can't wait until you get there oh, because gosh. it literally, like knowing you, knowing this book, knowing the end now, I think you're gonna be so pumped. I I'm very excited. And for like those me specifically. You specifically, and you'll understand when you get there. So right. uh mild spoilers put a little bit like a little sprinkle of like anticipation into what you're reading i mean there really are no spoilers other than the end of the book is great yeah and sets up more and sets up so many things and i cannot wait oh my god okay Okay. so apparently now we need to stop recording so that i can just go read this book yeah this episode 15 minutes let's go (laughs) (laughs) just kidding kidding. what Um, did you read this week other than the first 80 pages yeah so i finally finished iron widow (gasps) Um, did I, you like it? I loved it. Um, I admittedly had a very hard time getting into it. I remember being like 
halfway through and just contemplating stopping reading and giving it back to you and being like, yeah. thanks, but no thanks. Um, because I think, like, did we text about this? Mm -hmm. Um, so if I recall correctly, you were texting basically saying that, um, you struggle to understand like the, just, the storyline because yeah. she doesn't understand. The right. Story. And yeah. like my, my issue or my thing is when I'm reading, I think part of the reason it takes me so much longer to read is because I am creating such a visual representation of the world in my mind. Yeah. And when you read this book, if you decide to read it, it, it is a really great book. Um, recommend it. I it's, highly recommend um, it. What is it called? The, the Iron, Iron Widow. Widow. And I'm going to pull up the author so that we can tell you. Yeah. Um, like the description is is just enough that you kind of get a sense of like things that are going on but even in the way that the characters move or you know um like environments that they're in rooms that they're in you feel like part of it is missing and i like like brianna said i think that's partially because the main character has so many missing pieces in her own life that it just kind of reflects that um and so when like I had the same 70 or 80 pages of this book left for several weeks. And I just, I couldn't really like get myself to, to read it, like just sit down and read it. And when I finally did, it was like the, the entire ending of this book, like the, the action and intrigue and drama and everything that happens in these last like 75 or 80 pages, it was like, paramount to the other 300 and some odd in the book and yeah. I was just like holy shit where the hell did this just come from and like it just suddenly ends I know I fe it felt so erupt yeah. when it ended and I know now that it is a uh, a series it's definitely part of a series yeah, yeah. there's at least one more book I'm yeah. not sure how many more um this was actually the debut book mm -hmm. for this um this author, um, whose name is uh, Shirin J. Zhao. So it's X-I-R-A-N-J-A-Y-Z-H-A-O. And they are non-binary. So they are they, them mm. pronouns. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. God, I loved so it. It was, it, was, it was good. Like, I'm really glad mm -hmm. that I finished it. Um, I felt myself... Um, being pulled towards one particular character, especially at the end. Like I, I, I forget if I've mentioned before, but I am very much the person who is pulled towards the, the tortured hero character, like the tormented, yeah. you know, and one of the characters in this book is very much that. Very much the like tortured, tormented, um, like really like, probably good at heart gushy mm -hmm. and inside but like gone through some shit mm -hmm. had a hard life yeah um is now like a little bit of a, a hard external shell yeah yeah but though like those characters they get me in all of the feels like yeah. i ugh, i don't even think i could count the number of times in even the last like five years that i feel like i have literally fallen in love yeah. with a fictional character whether a literary one or something on tv or a movie and it's always the same kind of character yeah um for me it's like uh like Azriel 
from mm-hmm. from Akatar, from yeah. Court of Thorn and Roses. Yeah. I just love that he's kind of like separate from the group and like um they're obviously they love him and they're best friends and like he's really is like part of their family, mm-hmm. but he's also got a bit of a darker side to him, a bit um he's like their spy master. Mm-hmm. So like he, he has a very tortured history. Very tortured history. Um, can't wait for him to get a happy ending, to be I honest. Know, right? And if Sarah, Sarah, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> First name basis now. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, if you're listening, can you please give him a happy ending? Because honestly. It's killing us. It's killing us. It's killing me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But I definitely get that. Um, like falling in love with a character to the point where. It's like a longing. It's like a longing for this character like that doesn't I, exist. A physical mm-hmm. aching in my chest. Yeah. And I, that's the only way I know how to describe it. Yeah. Um, I had that same thing with um, Jamie, Jamie Frazier from Outlander. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite series mm-hmm. of all time, Diana Gabaldon. Um, oh, God. I just, I like, I wanted to be Claire so that I could have Jamie. Right. So, yeah. Um, I mean, even like Andrew and I right now, Andrew has seen the show many times, but. Um, I'm watching it for the first time. We're watching Lethal Weapon. Oh, yeah. Um, the TV show. And have you seen it? I haven't seen the TV show. Okay. But I've seen like... Um, the movies. The movies. Yeah. yeah. So the TV shows are very, I mean, fairly recent. Um, like pre-pandemic, I think. Yeah, but like 2010s, I think. Oh, yeah. Like late 2010s. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the main characters, Martin Riggs, is like... So he's a... Oh, <laughs> he's an LAPD cop. Yeah. With a, like, just an awful start of this show. Like, you know, his life is completely turned upside down. And so, you know, his attitude towards so many things is just very, like, doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And yet, the amount of, like, care and attention and importance that he gives to, like, these people that he's trying to save, I'm just like why and i think that that's what that's part of the reason that we like these tortured characters so much is that they've gone through all of this shit Mm -hmm. like they've gone through this horrible experience but they still have so much like care and gentleness in them and they're like giving it to other people but almost like not expecting it for themselves because they just uh, for whatever reason like don't think they're worthy of it or like Like, yeah, like even if you've ever seen B for Vendetta, like I was madly in love with B. Yeah. Um, you know, like I just. Did you hear uh, that vocal fry? That just yeah. Came yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yes, I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll admit like even back in like the late 2000s when I was reading Twilight for the first time like Edward, Edward right yeah. Edward right? was my jam I know and this was well b- before the movies were even a concept and so I'm like, like I'm an OG but yeah but like as um as a almost 30 year old um I look back on it and I go like <laughs> a little bit of like that could have been better written. Sure. Um, but also, I do feel like things written sort of like pre-2010 almost had this, this like lack of real like... Polish? Polish. Or like um, maybe just the characters were like one-dimensional a lot of the time. But at the same time, like at the time that we were reading it, 
This is that what we were, suited yeah, us. Totally that fine. That suited my brain. That like, suited what I, I was, was looking for. I think I was 19 when yeah. I read it for the first time. And um, yeah. And just like, um, you know, the longing for that tortured character. I, yeah. I mean, even, like, I, like there are, there are I so still, many. Like Reese from, from Akatar. From Akatar. Almost all of the characters from Sarah J. Moss's books. Um, Rowan. I was just, I was oh. like, what is his name? My gorgeous, gorgeous bird boy, oh, Rowan. Rowan. Um, who Even smells like the forest. Lorcan. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, Gosh. how the, the amount of feels that I have for these non-existent, yes. totally fictional, imaginary characters. Like, impossible to actually have any sort of relationship right. with this person. Like the most intangible but things ever. But I would in a heartbeat. Oh, 100%. And like, I don't get me wrong. I absolutely love my husband. Mm-hmm. I love him so much. Mm-hmm. But like, if this character, like if Reesem became a real person mm-hmm. and decided to pop into my life, I'd be like, bye team. Bye. Like, I love you so much. Good, but goodbye. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard because then I find myself very much put like putting myself in the position of the female character yeah. of, of all of these movies and shows and books. And I don't necessarily want to be them. Sometimes I do. I think it would be very, very cool. Um, to be I a will, fantasy novel? Yes. Like, yeah. And I will not spoil this at all, but I think to be the main character in the Throne of Glass <gasps> series, mm. no spoilers on naming. No spoilers. Um, but very obvious who the main character is. Yes. To be her would be... Ugh. Both absolutely terrible because she has a terrible backstory. And a um, terrible but story But also, <laughs> like, she gets Rowan. Sorry about that spoiler. But um, she gets Rowan and... Fuck. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I climbed that like a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the imaginary... The imaginary version of Rowan that lives inside my brain. Probably different than in my brain, but still equally amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the casting directors because of the Throne of Glass movies, because I, or TV series, I think, because I TV think series? it's being made into a TV yeah, series. Yeah. Called something like Queen of Shadows, which yeah, is book one of the books. Two. You're book asking the wrong person. I've, I, I don't know. There are so many. But I think from. From what we know as of right now in 2022, um, the it's going to be called something like Queen of Shadows. I think and that's right. the casting directors have started like following people. So if, you're, if you're listening, um, I think I would play a, a, an amazing I think Nikki, <laughs> main character. I think Nikki would be an amazing. How do you say her name in the first book? Um, Selena? Yeah, Selena Sardothian. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if that was. So I was like, yeah, I know. Um, Unfortunately, there is a little bit of a spoiler with her name. So that's why we're trying not to talk about it too much. But in the very first book, um, you are introduced to Selena. Selena. I was like, the book is here. I can pull it out. But no, we got it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 19-year-old assassin. I think you did great. I forgot she was 19. That's the only reason it's allowed to be in young adult is because she's still technically a teenager when it starts. Right. 
Um, I, you know what? But they're doing a lot of work with CGI right now where they just oh. de-age you. <laughs> Not, that sounded so mean. No. But no, I, they, you know how they're just like de-aging people? They yeah. did it for, um, what the fuck is his name? In uh, Luke Skywalker. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Yeah. yeah. They de-aged him. Um, used a body double in I was going to say it was a body double and yeah. Um, they did the same thing with, um, Carrie Leia, Fisher for yeah. Princess Leia in, um, oh, my brother's going to kill me that I don't remember the name of this Rogue One. Rogue oh one. God. You just had this panic of I like. I did. I could just see Al's face being like, being like, Nikki. sis, sis. He doesn't even call, he, he does, I'm sis. Would he call you like, no. <laughs> would he say your name? Nope. He would be like, <laughs> he would just be like, sis hand to the face and he would walk <laughs> away um he'd be like unbelievable um and it would be unbelievable um for those who don't know my my youngest brother is the like the amount of knowledge that he has about the star wars universe it is yeah like yeah talk about hyperfixation. like yeah um he has met mark hamill he has an autographed collector's edition lightsaber handle yeah signed by mark hamill a um, huge uh star wars lego oh my god collection. he has like 150 star wars lego sets yeah. um they actually just booked their tickets flights and hotel for the star wars convention in may in That's la exciting. um and he is beyond excited like this and this is their third convention that they've gone to they went to the first one in florida a few years ago it wasn't the first one. It was just the first the one first they, they went, went to. to. Yeah. Um, and then they went to Chicago and then the pandemic hit. And so this is the first one since the pandemic. And so they're, they're going, yeah. uh, my brother and his girlfriend. Um, but like, you know, he, he will see these characters. Sis, what's his name? And you're like, I don't How? know. So we are so continuing a recording because. We may have lost a smidgen. I don't know when it stopped recording. Um, but that's okay. We'll piecemeal it together. Interesting. I didn't, I did not know that that might have had a, a time, time limit. limit. We are recording for the first time using um, Anchor. Anchor, which allows you to post to Spotify. And mm. so we, you know, uh, growing pains. Yeah. It's all right. We'll I don't, figure it out. I don't think, I don't think we might have missed much, you know. Al, Al is a huge Star Wars fan. And then I just happened to look up on my bookshelf as we were finishing that conversation. And uh, my friend Jess gave me an ornament of Loki for Christmas. <laughs> and um, I think Loki is like by far my biggest torture, like torture, her yes. tortured hero longing for. And um, I mean, Tom Hiddleston's ugh. Loki is just... Mm, I my know. heart beats for him. Yeah. Um, the scene... The scene from the first Avengers movie um, between him and Black Widow. Yeah. Um, Isadora and I did that scene in camera class. Nice. Um, and, like, I had this Loki costume that I created. I mean, sure, it was on, um, like, it was on Zoom, but, like, it's still, I was just, like, I love that scene anyway. And then to just, you know, act it out. And then now every time I watch it, I'm just, like, oh, like, the way he goes from this, like, creamy charismatic character to this monster yeah in this monologue like it's just oh. it's so gorgeous i love i like, love acting so much. yeah you can definitely get oh. that um that really classical shakespearean, shakespearean? Mm -hmm. um what is it called 
like training oh, that yeah. that Tom Hiddleston has had. Yeah, yeah. Like so. Loki was the perfect. I don't want to say breakout character for him because he had been in other things no, previous, but, but like um, like sort of mainstream breakout. Yeah, um, yeah. It was because he was in he was in a movie with Tilda Swinton. Oh, only lovers left alive. And they play vampires. Oh, also a somewhat Shakespearean character. Nice. Yeah, I went I on a remember. huge Tom Hiddleston kick and watched so many of his movies. I've done that with uh, David Tennant, my one true <sighs> love. So. Who she has a card signed by. My best, the best present of all time. Like, so literally the best, um, like, we got it for our wedding. Our friends went to Montreal Comic Con and they paid for uh, David Tennant and Catherine Tate. No, sorry. David Tennant and Alex Kingston, who plays mm. River Song, um, to sign a card for us for our wedding. I have and chills. It is one of my prized possessions mm-hmm. because uh, I <laughs> I don't do well with um, meeting celebrities. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm only laughing because I know. Because the story. you know the story. Um, <laughs> I met Troyan Belisario. Belisario, who plays Spencer on Pretty Little Liars and like a ton of other things. She's married to Pat- Patrick J. Adams. Yeah, she was, um, she in was suits. on Suits. Um, I met her through Zara, actually. Yeah, I wasn't there. I know. We went on tour. We talked about it last, last week, uh, last podcast. Um, we talked about Fatty Legs, um, and how we took that on tour around the Maritimes. Mm -hmm. Well, a couple years after that, we then took it on tour to Ontario and Ontario schools. And I just couldn't make the times work. I was working a different job. Yeah. I happened to be able to take that whole month off um, because I was getting married that month. And then we went on tour at the end of that month. Um, And at one of the shows, uh, we were in Toronto where Troyan and Patrick live. Um, And she knew Serene Fox. Serene Carson? What is it? Serene Carson Carson Fox? Fox? Um, I think she goes by Serene Fox now. I think so. Um, she is a wonderful multidisciplinary artist. Um, she was our dancer for the Fatty Leg shows. She's a Jibway. Yes. Yeah. And she knew Troyan and invited her to the show. And I got to meet <laughs> it her. It just makes me laugh so much. <laughs> but I did that really... Honestly, I don't know that she thinks it's as embarrassing as I think it is, but I think it's incredibly embarrassing. Um... <laughs> I was like, she introduced herself and I went, oh, I know. And just that moment of being like, oh, I know who you are, to me was so embarrassing that I literally cannot bring myself to meet anyone famous ever again. <laughs> so, <laughs> try and if you're listening, I'm sorry. Which is, like, it's, <laughs> it's unfortunate, like, because I... I like, know that she probably gets that, like... All of the time. All of the time. Um, but I wanted to be really, like, suave and cool and sort of, like, collected about it. And no, I was not. But, like, so what do you, like, what do you even say when you meet, like, 
a it's person that you've been watching on right. television right. or like in movies or like what do you even say when you've been like connecting with this character of this like person? You, like you know so much about their lives and not in terms of like personal stuff but like Although you I, know what their job is. I did is. know a yeah. lot of weirdly personal stuff right. about her as well. But like you know what their job is. You know who they're married to. Like you know that. So it's yeah. like I'm terrible at small talk. I know. So it's just like how's your day? How like what the frig do you say? What do you like, say? What do you, you say to someone who's famous? But you also like we're gonna me, have to figure it out, right? Because I know, you're about I'm, to become famous. Yeah. So I mean, that's what TikTok tells me. TikTok, yeah. The TikTok filter told me that I was going to be famous. Yes. Um, but like I just, where was I going with this? Oh, what do you even talk like, to? Like because know. myself, as someone who thrives on recognition and being told that I've done a good job. Yeah. I am so, like, I want to tell them that I loved them and stuff, but I don't want to be so cliche to say the same things that everyone else has said. You know what I mean? Agreed. Right? Agreed. Like, um, and I'm sure, I'm sure that I'm, like, blowing it out of proportion for myself uh, as to, like, how embarrassing it actually was. Right. Um, but it's enough. It's enough <laughs> that I have made a personal choice to just never meet famous people. You're going to have to work on that if you I know. ever intend on coming to any red carpet. As with me. as a future famous person's best friend, um, I'm gonna have to work on it. So <laughs> listen, I'll probably just be Canadian famous and so it's That's like, still pretty famous. I mean, is it? You know Elliot Page. Elliot Page is famous famous. Elliot Page is not okay. Canadian famous. I guess. Like I'll 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 tentatively agree with you. <laughs> What's the difference between Canadian famous and famous famous? In uh, your when opinion? you're when you're Canadian famous, people outside of Canada don't generally know who you are. Mm, okay. Yeah, but people in the states definitely know who Elliot Page. Page is. Oh yeah. Um, so you wouldn't lump like, um, like Ryan Reynolds and that kind of thing. Oh, Ryan Reynolds is famous. 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 <laughs> Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Holy. Ah. <laughs> My brain. Ryan Gosling. Famous, famous. Right. Cindy Sampson. Great actress. Canadian, Canadian famous. famous. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'll, I'll agree with you. Um, uh, what's Trailer your... Park Boys. I'm going to say famous, famous. I think they we... had a movie. Yeah. yeah I think they At were least... like famous, famous. Yeah. Um, even. Um... They're local to us. Um, yes. They, they actually did like grow up film, etc. All of the Trailer Park Boys stuff in. Halifax. Um, yeah. We used to get, I used to work at the McDonald's in, mm. on Quinville Road. Mm. And um, the man who played Bubbles um, used oh. to come in all the time. I do Mike. not know his name. Mike. Good Lord. I know that um, somewhere right now, Mike Smith. My, <laughs> my husband is screaming his name. <laughs> he used to come in all of the time, like overnight, a little drunk. Um, yeah. Um, Trailer Park Boys. I just I need I'm to pretty know. sure it's Mike, but this is bad. Mike Smith, I was right! Yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah. So, he used to come in all the time. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's all good. Okay. okay. Um, but you know, like you think of, um, oh, I can't even think of her name, but the, the actress who plays Elena on The Vampire Diaries. Nina Dobrev. Canadian. Yeah, but famous, but she's famous, famous, famous right? Yeah. Like, 
you know, um, Kobe Smulders, famous, famous. 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 She's I get Canadian, it. Right? Like, there is a difference. and Between Canadian famous and famous famous. Right. And, like, there's even a difference between Canadian famous and Nova Scotian famous. Oh, definitely. Right? And, like, you know, or then Halley famous. Yeah. Right? Although I so will Halifax say. Halifax famous, like our capital city. If you are watching almost any show mm-hmm. it, that is set in quote-unquote Maine. Maine. That's Lunenburg, Nova yep. Scotia. Mm-hmm. Um, Haven is a big one. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Haven. I haven't Oh, my God. Nikki, you, it's it's over now. Um, this, this was but a show. it was show, filmed here. Yeah, it was filmed in Lunenburg and partially well, Halifax. I was going to say, is that the one that they recreated, like, a different store in yeah. the Bedford Place Mall? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, that's, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need to watch it. You um, do? A lot of Stephen King's Partially TV shows slash movies slash are things set. are also filmed in Nova Scotia. Yeah. And I am super excited because Nova Scotia government just announced last week that we are getting um, a sound stage, which means we can now film <gasps> all year round. Yeah, $23 million being invested in the film industry and in Nova Scotia, yeah, which, which is, is huge. just the biggest. Back in 2015, the at the time, the Liberal government um, axed the film tax credit, which yeah. meant that um, the vast majority of the film industry in Nova Scotia died. Um, people left because it wasn't feasible yeah. to work here anymore. Um, and this is a huge investment yeah, into the future. Yeah, like yeah, I think during during 2021, like during the pandemic. Um, we the film industry in Nova Scotia brought in a hundred and eighty million dollars in um like outside revenue in terms of yeah. like hotel rooms and food costs and jobs for people and, and it's really time to invest back into that yeah. like invest into getting more yeah. like more money honestly yeah um we will link in this episode um the um oh, it's like a little YouTube video that the government made uh, just yeah. like supporting and promoting the Nova Scotia film yeah we'll put it industry. in the we'll put it in the in the description yeah. um but there's a a just a beautiful testimony by Willem Dafoe and I love Willem Dafoe as an actor well because they filmed they filmed um, The Lighthouse The Lighthouse here yeah. with uh, Robert, Robert Pattinson. Pattinson yeah um like oh I just get chills like Nova Scotia as small as we are we are a powerhouse when in it comes the to film industry like yeah, yeah. So. Um, so I'm just, I'm showing Nikki because I've been obsessed with the two like male leads of Haven. Right. So Eric Balfour right. played Duke Crocker and then Lucas Bryant paid, uh, played Nathan Warnos and like Eric Balfour is one of the hottest men alive in my opinion. Oh, um, what like, else is he in? So many things. Oh, I've seen fucking him in things. Look at this, ba- look at this body. I'm just showing pictures of him. <laughs> um... No, wow. like literally, I'm obsessed with him. Uh, uh, I mean, he would have been very young in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. So many things, um, though. Like he was in so much. Right. Ugh. And um, see, like that's the th- like, you know, I, admittedly, I don't know most of those movies, but I don't care because when I see that, I'm like, listen, he gets to do what he loves to I do. Know. He gets to act and be hot and be. He is very attractive. Um, this is us just sprinkling in a little bit of that bisexuality um, because I'm also obsessed with the uh, female lead as well, whose name I immediately Oh, <clears throat> yeah. She's gorgeous. I love her. What is her name? Emily Rose. She, she also Audrey looks Parker. familiar. Yeah. 
yeah she's oh. she's been in some things a lot of like uh hallmarky hallmarky movies yeah. straight to tv movies yeah but which again she is acting she's acting she's like, doing what she loves for those people who are listening who think that you're only an actor if you get seen on television false. or movies or whatever it is false you are an actor if you are creating stories and yeah. that doesn't matter if it's at your house or in a small group or whatever doesn't matter it doesn't matter act being an actor has nothing to do with how much money you make or yes how many credits you get or who sees you nothing i started listening to unpublished oh my god uh on the recommendation of nikki oh my god um, i've only listened to a couple of episodes but like it doesn't matter i wow yeah i totally understand why you're like obsessed with it like why you um because this is a Really, honestly, it is an, a podcast for creatives. And, and all creatives. And all like, creatives. It doesn't matter what you do as a creative, like a creative person or a creative outlet. Like it's for all creatives. Yeah. And um, the the co-creators yeah. of Unpublished, um, Amy McNee and James Weinstock, um, they are both writers. Like yeah. that's that's their thing. Yeah. Um, but like also multidisciplinary. Um, and Amy... Um, Amy has published some books. Um, her first non her her first fiction book, um, The Rules of Help by No One. I have it is still on my TBR list. Sorry, Amy, it's coming. Um, well, you had to you had to skip straight to Crescent. City. I had to. I feel I'm bad. Sorry, like, but I have had to. One of my piano students is giving me the hardest time because I still have not read the the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which also fantastic. It's, it's on Taylor my Taylor Jenkins on read. my shelf. It's there. Yeah. Um, but. In terms of this podcast, like, despite the fact that they are both writers and that is their craft, their podcast speaks to any creative. And being, again, being a creative does not necessarily mean that you get paid for it or you get paid a lot. Yes, I think it is valuable and, and valid to want to get paid for your art. But that doesn't mean that you have to. And that doesn't mean that you're not a real and creative. It doesn't mean that... Um, that you need to seek out payment either. Also that, yeah. You can create art for art's sake. Right. Um, and really we should. Yeah. Like like Amy says, it's irresponsible. If you are called to create, it is, it is irresponsible not to. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like, and yeah. I, I truly believe that. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and honestly, she's the whole reason that I've been able to write as many words as I have, like I inspired to write. Yes, at that's at inspired, at inspired to, to write. write. Um, at unpublished podcast, they're both on Instagram. Yeah. Um, like I went from like eight thousand words of a novel that I didn't know where it was going that I was determined to write perfectly the first time to now over twenty seven thousand words of I'm not sure where it's going, but it's words on a page. It's words on a page. Right? And you're actively doing it. You're doing it every day mm-hmm. or like most days. I know you take some but Yeah, I do I do I try and do five days a week. I try yeah. and do two hundred my bare minimum is two hundred and fifty words five days but a week. Don't you often get like more than that? Oh yeah. Yeah. This past week, um by Tuesday I had already written almost fourteen hundred words. Yeah. And the goal for the week was twelve fifty. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I know that I tell you this all the time <laughs> because honestly, like I brag about Nikki to 
every single person I meet. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm so proud of like all the effort you've put in to like really create the life that you want to be living and the fact that you are you're doing that consistently. Like you are you're going out there and you're facing failure oh every single day oh and God. you are you're doing it with such like bravery and poise and Thank I'm just you. so proud of you. Thank you. It's oh, it's it's something I didn't ever think was going to be a thing um because A, I hate failure. Um, <laughs> growing up as a perfectionist, I didn't fail. What do you mean? I like you I don't was love I, yeah, right. I was I was the person that if if there was a possibility that I was not going to be good at something right away, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it ever. Yeah. Um, gym class sucked for me for a very long time because I was just not an athletic kid. Um, somehow I grew into my my kinesthetic abilities and like yeah. now I understand how my body and, works and um, stuff. Trained as a personal trainer as yeah, well. Yeah, I was a personal trainer for three and a half yeah. years. Um, I have now been dancing at House of Eights since January and um, last night I was actually complimented by uh, a newer student in <gasps> heels class. She was like, I loved your solo and I was like... Thank you. Like to now be seen as not a new person by a new person. I, yeah. I just, I'm very excited. Shout about out it. to House of Eights oh. because I've gone to a couple, like Nikki had a couple of free passes that she mm-hmm. gave me and I've gone to a couple of courses. Um, and it's just so like welcoming. Supportive. I, supportive. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that I would have gone if I didn't have a support a, like a support net there. So like if Nikki hadn't been with me in my first couple of classes, I don't know that I would have gone. Mm-hmm. But now that I have gone, like I do feel comfortable potentially going back. It's a monetary thing for me now. Mm-hmm. I'm we're we're in a little transitionary period uh, where I'm leaving one role in Indigo and therefore like my pay went down mm-hmm. um and my hours went down so like we're a little bit transitionary um monetarily but like I would go back if I had all the money in the world right so yeah I it's still on the plan it's still in the works but yeah. um we're just figuring out our budget yeah so. right and like I yeah, I was like, no, I need an unlimited membership because yes. I was going to at least three classes a week, if not four. In fact, this week uh, I went to two on Wednesday, one yesterday. I'm doing three on Saturday and one on Sunday. So like, that's that's, that's a lot of classes. Yeah, I am gonna die on sun on Saturday because I'm doing three classes back to back for the first time, and we're gonna see how it goes. But it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be amazing. I'll bring a granola bar or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. have in between um yeah so yeah I oh yeah kinesthetic ability so I'm letting myself fail I'm letting myself yes. I was like where yeah. were we um I'm letting myself do things and fail at them and and it's so- not a reflection of you as a person mm. um you are not a failure just because something has failed no uh and that has been something that is exceedingly hard for I'm pretty sure like our generation Mm -hmm. in particular like that millennial generation but um like specifically for you and I I know for a fact that uh potentially failing at something or like often failing at something um can feel very painful yeah and it's like oh it sucks I suck yeah and and it's very personal like we like I know um, I take a lot of my failures on as if they're a personality trait mm-hmm. and they're not <laughs> like I did not finish university. 
Um, but I took that on as like, oh, I'm a failure. Right. For years and years, yeah. I thought I'm not I smart enough. I'm to- not smart enough. I am not good enough. I am not good. Right. Because I couldn't finish university. Right. Um, but honestly, like my the life that I wanted when I started university is not the life I want now. Mm-hmm. It's not the future that I want now. And I think that we do our children a disservice by asking them to choose what they want to do for the rest of their life at 18. Absolutely. I talk to my piano students about it um, because some of them have to choose courses in high school based on what they want to do at university, based on what they want to do for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I had that as well where I had to, I was in French immersion, so I had to do a certain number of French courses Mm -hmm. and then I only had so many other blocks for other things. And so I had to choose very particularly what what courses I wanted to take because I wanted to become a doctor Mm. and so I had to take all of my sciences which meant that I couldn't take like drama and music and like that kind of thing which made me really upset because those are my only like outlets really from the stress of my life is to do something creative Mm -hmm. and so I had to choose science versus art and I chose science because that was where I that's where that's where the money was and I wish I hadn't chosen my future based on where the money was yeah yep I I did the same thing I I dropped out of band because if you did band you couldn't do French because of the way that the courses worked out um I had to drop out of French because by the time I got to grade 12 um they had gotten rid of all of the like French chemistry course and everything so I just didn't have enough space yeah um I remember I didn't take drama um, because I felt nervous about being in front of people, um, which then meant I was not welcome in the drama circle. Um, so it was, it was actually at high school that I auditioned for a musical and was told that they wanted actors they could teach to sing, not singers they could teach to act. And so I took that as I, I can't, can't act. act. And, you know, at and that's not 16, true. 17 years old, when you want to be an actor, but you also want to make money and feel like being an actor isn't feasible. To be told um, one way or another that you can't act right. is, uh, like, I know that I kind of got that message because I went out for, um, like, the queen role in Alice in Wonderland, ah, the Queen of Hearts, yeah. and instead got the role of her attendant. Right. And it was, like... It was actually heartbreaking to me. Yeah. And it it took away a lot of those acting dreams that I had. Right. Just like floating around in my brain. Because yeah. I was like, well, obviously I'm not good enough. Like, yeah. obviously I'm not. So, and this was, this was a high school performance. Like this wasn't right. anything that was going to go on like a, you know. Permanent, permanent record. record or something. Yeah. Right. And but I just felt so like discouraged. Yeah. To, yeah. to try yeah Hi, and high school does that like high school I feel conditions students to think that they can only be one thing yeah they have to choose one thing and I don't think like it's not true it's not true. I I refuse because I had like like I've talked about I had the hardest time trying to figure out who I was and what I was in mm-hmm. terms of like what I do um to the point that I felt like I was living three different lives yeah and so now I feel like I'm living one. Which is amazing. Which is fun. And it's it must feel freeing to, like, in some ways. In some ways, and yeah. And, like, um, 
like claustrophobic and others I'm sure because now success rests solely on you solely on me and I was even I was thinking about this the other day like even as an actor I have so little control over that stream of my career like I can train and I can practice and, and you can, I can audition yeah. and you can but you even can auditioning like I have no control over getting an audition yeah you know like like whether my agent sends me one or whether there's a casting call that I can submit for like that is still totally out of my control like it, there's so much that relies on outside forces which I find very hard because um I for a long time tried very hard to control every aspect of my life thinking that that would make me safe and happy and happy and didn't and in reality it's when you let go of the control that you uh think you have Mm -hmm. and you allow the universe or um whatever you believe in to to just take the wheel like jesus take the wheel kind of um without the religion to quote carrie underwood (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but that moment of allowing the universe to take you where where it will yeah. and relinquishing that control can be very, very scary, but also really freeing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, I, there are definitely still times where I'm grasping on to what I think is control. In, what I, in can, the, right, what I like, can control and can yeah, handle. And in, like, yeah. in the hopes that that will somehow get me a big break or yeah. get me cast or whatever. And like, of course, it doesn't ever work. Like it just, it makes myself tape shitty and it makes my, it makes me feel shitty about then my, my abilities. And so it's when I let go of all of that stuff that I am free to create and, and do that stuff. Yeah. And when I let go of that control that I feel like I need to have, when I let go of that is when I find my happiest moments or my freest moments. Yeah. Um, is when I'm just living in the life that I have, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than the one that I wish I had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you can, you can simultaneously love and be in the life that you're living and, and, and want, want other things. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, I think like, I think it's really scary to give up control. Ah, so scary. I, like it's very scary to yeah. say like there are only certain things that I actually do have control over, and like those things could be as simple as just how I react to situations or to people or whatever which even that still seems so out of control sometimes for me anyway yeah we've been talking emotional control is something i'm working on or or like emotional regulation yeah we've been talking in um my husband and i have been talking a lot about like ptsd Mm -hmm. because my husband has undiagnosed uh c ptsd which means is complex ptsd which usually stems from um childhood abuse sexual abuse um basically sustained uh trauma Mm -hmm. so um this is also something that that like soldiers uh emts rcmp like police um, they also tend to have CPTSD. Yeah. Um, and we've really been talking about how you can control your reactions to a certain extent. Uh, but there are obviously some things that like Tristan's not in control of how he responds to certain stimuli. And because his trauma takes over, his trauma response takes he over. And he cannot actually stop himself yeah. from doing whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and 
like I'll definitely be talking more about this because we are about to try and go into an actual diagnosis. So mm-hmm. hiring a psychiatrist to actually diagnose with PTSD so that potentially he, he can, can get the support. Get the support he needs. Yeah. Um we are very confident that this is what he has. He ticks off a lot of those boxes, but in Canada to be legally recognized you need an actual psychiatrist. Yeah. So which is frustrating. Not easy to come by. Yeah. So, yeah. Socialized healthcare is a great thing until it's a double edged sword. It's, yeah, until you have to deal with, you know, wait times and. Yeah. Yeah. Can I talk about um, the other book I read this week? Absolutely not. Okay. Kidding! <laughs> so I read. The other um, book I read this week. Oh my God. I did only read two. Uh, because one was Crescent City, I love you. which was so long. It's so long. Um, but the other book that I read, I'm just looking up the author, is called Delilah Green Doesn't Care. Um, the book is called Delilah Green Doesn't Care? Oh, yeah. I thought you said the author. No, sorry. The book is called Delilah Green Doesn't Care, and it's by Ashley Herring Blake. And Ashley, this is her, their first book. Nice. Um, so this is a debut for this author and it is a sapphic romance. So if you don't know what that I means. I was just going to ask because I somehow got on that side of TikTok and I don't yeah. know what that means. So sapphic romance comes from the Greek, uh, person called Sappho mm-hmm. who was, uh, for all intents and purposes, she or they, I don't know what their actual gender is, but I'm guessing she, because it means like lesbian essentially oh like women loving women all right this makes sense why this makes sense right okay um as as a person who's bisexual pansexual it does make sense to be um sapphic sapphic so sapphic comes from sappho who was a poet who wrote a lot about women loving women right okay um a lot of poetry of like tits and whatever anyway (laughs) Uh, if you're interested, go look up Sappho's poetry because it's really great. <laughs> Especially if you are, like us, um, on that uh, women-loving-women side of the world. The world. Um, but So it's called Delilah Green Doesn't Care. And it's a sapphic romance in which Delilah uh, goes back home for her stepsister Astrid's wedding to, photo- to be the photographer, the lies okay. of Delilah is a photographer and there she meets Claire. Claire is Astrid's best friend and um, she they did know each other in childhood and they get together. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I loved the book because I did mm-hmm. and I loved the romance and I loved everything like I love the storyline it made me so sad and the reason it made me so sad is because Delilah was a lonely kid and I related so Mm. fucking hard to that that Mm. I read that book with just my heart hurting the whole time I was reading it right because Delilah um her mother dies when she's quite young um and then her father when she's eight remarries Astrid's mother and then two years later when Delilah is 10 her father dies tragically and she has no one else in her life so she is raised by her stepmother mm-hmm. and from that point on um she actually just feels completely separate from the town from her family because like um these are people that 
like she's only known for two years at that point and so she doesn't know how to connect with them in her grief and then they each push each other away and then like it's just it's so sad like it's such a good read and um I I think this is an incredible debut for this author like honestly I cannot wait for the next book the next book follows her Delilah's stepsister Astrid oh okay and I'm quite I'm very excited because it's not going to be another sapphic title and um but like I was just sad I was just sad the whole time I read it and so while I would recommend people read it because it is a really great title and also like yes can we have more lesbian romance Mm -hmm. um I just want to put a little bit of caveat there that um it's sad right and if you were a lonely kid it's gonna hurt right (laughs) so yeah I loved it it was a really cute story um I loved the way that like Claire uh brings out like Delilah from her shell and like really gets like wiggles her way into Mm. her brain and sort of says like maybe you should talk to Astrid like maybe this isn't what you think it is like right and like part of the part of the plot of this book is that they're actually trying to break up Astrid's wedding because they ah! don't, <laughs> yeah, they don't like her prospective husband. Right. And, um, and it works, obviously, because the next book is about Astrid. But, <laughs> right. but like, uh, it was just, yeah, spoilers. Um, but really the book was more about Delilah, Delilah. And, and Claire and getting them together. So, yeah. but it was so, I just, it, the, the title is like Delilah Green doesn't care and, she purposefully doesn't, doesn't care. care. It's and a protection so, mechanism. It's a protection. It's a, pr- a way of protecting yourself, like saying, oh, well, I don't care about that. Are we freaking back on the tortured hero? Like We are. Oh, my but God. We, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying is, like, I really like Delilah, <laughs> and I really, um, like, you know, she's a, a tatted, dark character. Oh, my hair is blonde. Wow. I don't know what her But I'm getting, was. like, flecks of gray now. Oh. Like, light and gray. It's, like, silvery, and it catches the lights sometimes. That's amazing. And I freaking love it. Like, it's so good. Tristan mm. has one real streak of, of silver in <gasps> oh, his hair. Oh, nice. And I cannot wait until he's just a full silver fox. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm really hoping that if my hair goes, like, all, that it's just, like, white. Like, a nice, mm. like... Um, Based on my mother's hair. Yeah. Um my hair is just gonna go back into that ashy blonde that it was when I was younger and then go into like a white gray so I'm pretty excited that's yeah I um not that I'm gonna stop dying no I know I was gonna say I unlike Brianna currently have natural hair I have natural hair color there's nothing in my hair right now which is good and bad because it means like hairstyles like if I curl my hair it does not stay because my Mm. hair is as my sister-in-law says my hair is too healthy oh it's like really (laughs) what a problem to have i know right um meanwhile i'm rocking uh, a lovely lilac lavender 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 i think but it's got a pinky tinge to it i know i think part of that though was that i had a little bit of red before i bleached it maybe yeah um so i had a little bit of red and purple but it's great because i don't really give a fuck um, about my hair. Brianna Ellis doesn't care. Brianna Ellis doesn't give a fuck is going to be my title. Debut title. Yeah. Um, I love it. <laughs> but, it, um, my hair, no, my esthetician yesterday. Esthetician? Laser? 
She does put a rejuvenation on my face. Anyway, she she said yesterday she she called my hair color blonde. Brown and I'd never heard like that. brown blonde. Yep, and I was mm. like, oh. which is funny because like growing up, I had platinum blonde hair. Yeah. It was natural, and now it's yeah, it's like a honey, like a dark honey color. Yeah, you can definitely see that. Um, like because I know for a fact that your hair is all natural, but yeah. there is definitely a gradient from like your roots down to your ends. And that's natural, and that's natural. That's just yeah. the way that your hair is growing. If I if I braid my hair in the summer and I spend the day in the sunshine and then take my hair out of the braids at the end of the day, yeah. you can see where, where the, sun the sun has bleached your hair. Yeah. 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 Um, meanwhile, I, um, I use my hair as a way to like what I see in the mirror. Mm. So this is a little trick for those of us who, um, myself still included, who have a little bit of like self-esteem issues or um, for me it's mirror avoidance. Mm -hmm. So I don't like looking at myself in the mirror because I don't look at myself and say like, oh, look at that hot bitch in the mirror, (gasps) you know? And God, I wish I did. You should. But I, here's Ninja again. Mm -hmm. I I started dyeing my hair as a way to like at least one thing in that mirror. Like at least I like the fact that my hair is lavender or that I like the fact that my hair is... It's got this beautiful little curl to it. I love the the cut that you've had lately. Yeah, I've done a a bit of an undercut, just leaving a little bit of length on the top. And um, actually that's been giving me a little bit of gender dysphoria right now. Um, Because I... I'm struggling to release the societal expectation of long hair equals feminine. Right. And I want to feel feminine. I I am cisgendered. Um, like, I am the same gender that my sex is. Um, and so I'm struggling to release a lot of those, like, societal pressures on what I look like, especially as a, an obese woman, a plus-size woman, um... I think a lot of the time it's like if I don't have that long flowing hair, I don't feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I'm struggling so hard to like allow myself to feel beautiful just the way I am. And the fact that like I like my hair shorter. I like the way that it curls. Yeah. Um, I like the undercut that I have. Like um, It just suits your face so I know, well. I know. But it's sometimes I look in that mirror and I just go, God, I don't feel feminine. I don't look feminine. I'm feeling like um, not pretty. Like I literally texted Nikki yesterday and went out and bought a new shirt because I just felt like fat and ugly and terrible. And I was like, I don't want to feel like this all day at work. No. So on my break, I went out and I got a new shirt that was looser, a little bit more feminine to what I had been wearing. Um, not that what I was wearing wasn't feminine. No. Um, but like... I just needed a little bit of a change and giving myself permission to make those things and not suffering yeah. through the day was, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard every day. But. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that's just it, right? Like society has taught us so many things that we're trying to erase. Well, yeah, I'm yeah, like, What's the, I'm yeah. trying to, I am trying to release, release a lot of things, like erase a lot of things from my brain, mm-hmm. like, um, 
uh, one of the little notes I've written for us is to talk about compulsory oh, heterosexuality. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Um, Which this ties directly into this because I grew up Christian. I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. um, in the Pentecostal church. And I actually, when I was younger, thought that I was trans. Mm. I thought that I was transgender because the church taught me that I could only love the opposite gender to me, the opposite sex to me. So I could only love men. And so I thought that because I was attracted to women and wanted to have a relationship with women, that meant that I wanted to be a A man. man. And Because, of course, that's the only option. Yeah. And, like, now that wouldn't have been acceptable in the church either. Oh, no. You know, but, like, I... So it's this... um, It's called compulsory... Compulsory heterosexuality and uh it is the sense that um in society you have to be heterosexual you have to present het you have to um like anything that people talk to you about like how many times have you heard somebody go like oh he's gonna be a lady killer when he grows up yeah like talking about like a baby yeah or you know or like um, do you have a boyfriend talking to a five-year-old girl yeah she's gonna be a heartbreaker she's gonna be a heartbreaker like all of these things and that's compulsory heteronormativity yeah and like that like that's expected to be the norm and the expectation of of all kids yes of all people of all people is that the um societal norm Mm -hmm. is heterosexuality is straightness yeah and i am not that um nope. i i like to call myself queer because it fits me mm-hmm. i know some people don't like that story or that word or that um context because it was often used in a derogatory sense yeah um but for me that fits me perfectly because um i'm a little bit also on the demisexuality side which i also want to talk about but so I I am bisexual, maybe pansexual. For me, it really doesn't matter what your gender, what your sex is. Like, it doesn't matter. It's really about who you are as a person and that kind of thing. Yeah, and just to clarify, because I've, I've read it a lot, like, labeling as bisexual doesn't mean... Trans-exclusionary. Sex- yeah, like, doesn't mean two sexes yes. only. Like, it's just, it's another term. Yeah. Which is why I think I'm having so much trouble because I would not exclude trans people in my sexuality, which um, for me is like, that's why I think I'm leaning more towards pansexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do like the title of bisexual. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'm the same. yeah, Yeah. Like in, in reality, I think it's more of a, like a pansexuality, although I do tell people I'm bisexual. Yeah. Um. But that's a, it's a really personal choice as to how you identify and what words you use to do that. So right. for me, queer works, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't necessarily use that for others. Right. But part of this is that um, on the asexual to allosexual mm-hmm. spectrum mm-hmm. is a, um, a part called demisexuality. Yep. And demisexuality is when you need an emotional connection to feel any sexual attraction. Right. And so, well, that's not me because I do feel sexual attraction to people without needing the like emotional. an emotional connection. I, um, I do identify a little bit with it because I don't feel comfortable having a sexual relationship 
with someone until I'm comfortable with them as a person. Right. So like I do feel sexual attraction regardless of needing that emotional connection, but I don't feel comfortable acting on that. Right. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought it was a really, I know you and I have talked a little bit about whether you might be ace or not, so. Yeah, which I mean. Ace meaning asexual. Asexual, and it just goes back and forth a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the same way that uh, sexuality is a spectrum, like. Mm. Um, and it's a moving spectrum. It's a shifting, moving, changing spectrum. Yep. Um, that can also be, uh, like that asexual to allosexual mm-hmm. so allosexual just means that you don't have any restrictions to your sexual attraction mm-hmm. um you, where you might have a restriction in, restriction in the sense Quota. of um like gender mm. so you may be like an allosexual lesbian right but that or you might be an ace lesbian so that you um you don't actually feel sexual attraction at all but you know that you want to have a romantic relationship with a woman as a woman. Right. Or whatever have me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You can find a lot of this information on the internet. (laughs) There's a lot. We are by no means in any way, shape, or form experts on this. We are just um, living our own lives. And and exploring our own lives. lives. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But as uh, I know that oftentimes I feel like uh, because I I do present... Het. I do mm-hmm. present hetero yeah. that it um, people don't feel like they can open up to me and they don't feel like they mm. like I'm a safe space because yeah. it's hard for me to be like um, you know I'm I'm pansexual I'm queer I'm married to a man right as yeah a, as a cis right? presenting woman right I I have such a hard time with that yeah. like I know um, there are casting calls sometimes that say that they have preference for LGBTQIA plus casting and you're right you're that right there you're that yeah right there but i feel you feel like you're a liar yeah i feel like i'm a fraud yes because i am in a heterosexual normative heteronormative relationship Relationship. yeah um and i very much present as a cis woman um and so i very much feel like i am a fraud and that i am somehow taking things from other people who might be more queer yeah. or, you know, or like, um, like they're I, more worthy right. of like the role. I often, it's funny. Um, I'm doing air quotes yeah. as I'm speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, a friend of my, another friend of mine. She is, she's a lesbian and she sends me all kinds of like TikToks and stuff because I often very much feel like I am not gay enough. I am not yeah. lesbian enough. I'm not bi enough. And I think because I'm in a heteronormative yeah. relationship, and I think that really comes down to that bi erasure that um, that people talk about, mm. that I talk about. Like, yeah, like I erase you... myself. Actually, I erase that in part of my own identity, um, in a way to make people like more comfortable yeah. with me. Maybe yeah, yeah, like water it down. And, yeah, like um... I don't like I don't necessarily talk about it. I've had yeah. some friends that honestly, like, they don't even know that I'm bisexual because Same. I have been with this man for 10 years. For 10 years. Yeah. And so I don't really talk about it. Yeah. But um, I'm going to talk about it on this podcast yeah, right? because like, it's very important to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's hard. I, I don't know. It's just hard. Yeah. I remember, like, I remember making it with a girl in grade 10 on March break at the Alexis on Fire concert. Yeah. If you're listening, I hope you're doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked it. Like, it was very much like, 
Yeah. Wow. I Like, I didn't think... But the amount of high school guys that were around us at the time... And they made it into, like, a spectacle? Yeah. Yeah. I immediately felt uncomfortable and, like, oh, this can't be a real thing. It's... Yep. It's an act and... and I'm doing it for attention right, because I want attention. Right. And so for years, like that was in 2005. And I mm-hmm. remember in 2011 at university, I, like again, questioning it and feeling like if I allowed myself to not even accept, but like to think about am I gay or am I bi or whatever. It just felt like, it felt like a failure. Mm. 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 Right? Yeah. I remember, I remember having a conversation in the the Mac lab at, at university and saying the words out loud felt like I was admitting something that made me a failure. Yeah. God, I hate being a verbal processor. I know. (laughs) I told that to my therapist the other week. I was like, I hate that I'm a verbal processor. Because sometimes... You don't realize Sometimes you don't realize things until you're speaking them out loud. And then when they hit you, you're like, holy fuck. Yeah. Now that you say that, (laughs) actually, like, I've known for a very, very long time that I find women attractive. Uh Um, Obviously, I also find men attractive. Mm Um... But like, but like, God, even, I, oh my God, like you're it welcome. feels like, you're it welcome. feels like I am, I am like failing the Brianna that was so in love with God that she couldn't possibly imagine mm. anything but what the church was teaching her. Right. And like, I have made, I have gone on a huge faith journey. Um, I am Christian. I I fully 100% admit that. I'm going to keep talking about it. Um, but my Christianity is very personal to me. Yeah. And it is not the Christianity that my church taught me as a child. Um, I, in fact, do not. I am not part of a church. I am not part of a congregation in part because I have not found one that accepts all of me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there is a uh, a Bible passage that my sister like literally highlighted in my children's Bible when I was younger because I've had uh, self-esteem issues for so long. Mm. Um, and the it is, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That we are made in God's image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And there is actually nothing wrong with me. Mm-mm. Not a single thing wrong with me. No. Nope. Um, in the eyes of God. But that is not what the church teaches you. That no. is not what they tell you. Um, and so I've been warring. I've been at war with myself and my younger self. And they talk like I see on TikTok all the time, like how to heal your inner child. Yeah. And it just occurred to me right now that I have been fighting my inner child about this for years. And this is a huge bomb that I've just dropped on my brain. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, being a verbal, verbal processor is a... Uh, I know I use this phrase so much, but a double-edged sword. No, but it is. Because, like, in one aspect, I have to talk it out Mm -hmm. to be able to, like, actually understand. But at the same time, sometimes I start talking and don't know where I'm going. And I don't know Mm -hmm. what's going to come out of my brain. Right. Yep. I I have had many of those revelations in um, therapy. 
Um, oh, please, please still be recording. I'm sure it is. We've yeah, already had that oh one snafu. So my my screensaver came on and it. I had to log back in Ooh. and I was very worried. Um, what was, oh, I was going to say something. Oh, um, no, it's gone. Well, <laughs> this happens. Um, it's probably for the best anyway. Yeah, we are getting. Uh, Almost to an hour and a half. Yeah. So the other one's 30 minutes. So maybe we'll end it here. <laughs> um, I know. So yeah, we still do not know how to end this. Um, I don't know that we ever will. Nope. And that's okay. Because I don't think our conversations ever really have they an end. They don't. Like essentially they have an end when we look at the time and say, Oops. shit, we should probably Oops, go. I should go home now yeah. or whatever. Uh, or we've been sitting in this restaurant for too long. Let's leave. So, or they or they tell or us they we kick have you to leave because <laughs> in a very nice way. Was it though? Mm, um, it wasn't rude, but it was forceful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very um, unarguable. Yeah, yeah. Like there was no There's no argument. There was no room for interpretation. It was you have paid and finished eating. You need to leave. Yes, it, that's not how they said it, but like that was the gist. the vibe of it. Yeah. Yes. Um. But uh, I know this one. This this one felt really. Uh, how do I put this? Like um. How do you put this? Like a little bit of like a therapy session. Ah, uh, big time therapy um, session. A little bit. We went. We went pretty deep, but it kind of just goes to show you that like talking helps. Talking I it out. Helps. That's what I was gonna say. Like I did not think that this podcast would turn into therapy. therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Nope. But um, my therapist would be proud, though. Yeah. yeah really and I proud. think it's important for us to talk about these things with each other, and also to put it out into the universe that like you're n- not. Alone. You're not alone. You're not alone with your your foibles up in your brain. Nope. Um, I've got a lot of them. I'm never going to stop talking about never these things. So. Never. Nope. Um, we will. Thank you for listening. Yeah. If you've made you so it this much. far, thank you so, so much. Um, we love you. Mm-hmm. We don't know necessarily who you are, but we love you. Yeah. And we hope that uh, you're in a good place. And if you're not, that you're getting the help you need. Yeah. And so I hope it's sunny wherever you are. Because right it is now. sunny, it's for, sunny us. for us. Um, spring's right around the corner. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. So leave a review if you want to. Um, We would really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And we hope we see you next week. Yes. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.